Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Edit audio. Welcome back, baby. We are now on the season two of Podcast Date with Daddy, hosted by yours truly, your daddy. In this season, you get to be a fly on the wall while I go on some very special dates with some very sexy people. Today's episode, we have Samantha Sutton, who is a Chinese-Canadian stripper, dancer, circus performer, and visual artist. Did I mention she's hot and queer? (laughs) We're meeting up at the strip club. I hope you're ready. Pull up a seat. Join us. Hi, babes. I have a friend waiting outside for me. I know the club's really full, and um, I could make it worth your while later. Really? Is that okay? Oh my god, thanks so much. I promise I will give you a tip. Wow, okay. How on earth did you swing that? Wow. (laughs) Yeah, okay, there you go. (laughs) There we go. Thank you so much for that. Like, can I get you a drink? What do you like? I can't pay my bills and drinks. But you can get me a glass of Prosecco. Wow, fancy. <laughs> so so while Sorry. we wait for your drink, um, your very fancy, expensive drink, wow, I should have brought more money. Um, how's your day been? What have you been up to? I'm a very, very um, stereotypical student getting naked for money. It's a Monday night, so it's really dead in the club which means I've spent all day reading, trying to get my circadian rhythm back in order, sitting down at the bar while it's quiet, reading my essays, saying hi to the club furniture, the regulars who just sit there and never buy anything. You know, standard Monday night. Wow, I have never actually been to a strip club on a Monday night and I never thought it was gonna be this dead. How do you... (laughs) make the time go by I um chat to the girls chat to the bar staff kind of treat it as kind of like a litmus test for how everybody's feeling 
I usually pass the time by reading because I'm not allowed my phone in the club. I'm not allowed to take people's numbers. So I read. If I'm not reading for school, I'm usually reading a novel. The last thing I read at a strip club was, and this is gonna, this is gonna sound so pretentious, The Unbearable Lightness of Being by this Czech author. I cried like twice in the club while reading it. It was really embarrassing. Oh. <laughs> it was really embarrassing. <laughs> do you want to hear the parts I cried at? Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> okay, so I think the first part I cried at, this might be the only part I cried at, actually. I think I might have read it twice. But the and one part that sticks out in my head that I cried at is basically like this doctor and his like wife and you follow them throughout kind of like their lives in their relationship they are i'm pretty sure married but he like just cannot stop cheating on her and from his perspective it's not a terrible thing he kind of like relates it back to his practice as a surgeon where he kind of enjoys like the plurality of bodies that are out there to be experienced it doesn't sound like from his perspective that he's malicious she can't stand it she like it makes her so sad that he cheats all the time and the thing is he doesn't know that she knows and so she has like this really fucked up nightmare where she wakes up like screaming and like she tells him about it and it's about him like basically picking through like a line of all these all this all these women and basically like sleeping with them and then ignoring her and then he like describes his heartbreak at knowing like that that's how she feels and knowing that there is nothing he can do to stop it because it's part of his fundamental personality and then like a couple days later he comes back and i don't know they just they just do some shit whatever they're just like the couple things and they go to bed and she like tells him just like offhandedly she goes oh i know you've been sleeping around because like every time you come home late at night your hair smells like pussy nicer it was more poetic than that i'm trying to (laughs) abbreviate here and then he like has this like crazy realization that she's always known but that the fact that she's so like nonchalant about it means that like she has just gotten so used to this kind of hell that she's been living in and i don't know that just like really like that just was like really poignant on like a sad wednesday night in the strip club so (laughs) very pisces of you yeah that was a very pisces moment (laughs) You felt what they were feeling. And yeah, you goes on a five-minute those... tangent about <laughs> fictional characters and then cries. <laughs> so crying in the strip club. Yeah, happens more yeah. often than you think. Like, have you seen other people kind of, like, come in to, like, enjoy the shows and then they have, like, an emotional moment? Do you ever see it on that end or is it more of, like the other people who are working, the other dancers having these like moments. I've seen dancers cry um, a lot actually for personal and also for like work stress reasons. Maybe Mm. my boss has just yelled at them. But like I haven't like had too many clients cry. I knew one guy who like tried to propose to a stripper and then she said no to him, but she kept the ring. Can you imagine? <laughs> and I've also wow. been in a VIP with this one client who was really sweet. He's like an IT guy. And he really opened up to me about the fact that like he never really like properly dated because 
self-esteem issues and I didn't have the heart to tell him that the reason why nobody wants to date him is because he smells really bad and he really <laughs> needs a shower and I had to cuddle him all the time for money and I was like uh and it was really consistently sweet. smelling bad yeah and I was like you're really sweet but there's something you just you just fucking reek I just need you to shower a couple more times a day I don't know and I'm like how has no one told him this as I, like I'm paid to pretend to like not know but like mm-hmm. you must be surrounded by people who aren't paid to be in your presence like please oh my goodness <laughs> two questions now mm. when did you start doing this work and then also were these things that you knew were going to be part of the job I started when I was 19 mm-hmm. and I was in London at the time I kind of like approached stripping like first starting it very similarly to how I approached wanting to smoke weed at like 14 and like the truth is the first at least like three or four times I tried smoking weed I didn't really get high Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people experience this right but the delinquent in me was just like I would I need to know how this feels I gotta keep trying Mm -hmm. there must be something wrong with me whereas any normal person would just be like "Eh, this is probably not for me I'll move on and try again later right Mm -hmm. I just like kept going Stripping felt like that for me, where the first, like, couple of shifts were hard. I had no really concept of, like, what to expect. I just kind of knew the basic structure. But I didn't know, for example, that you have to pay the club to work. I Mm -hmm. did not know that there were sort of these severe zoning and, like, licensing laws around, like, the venues that kind of contributed to the fact that there was such a high supply, like demand, sorry, a high supply of dancers and a very low amount of clubs. So that kind of like imbalance allowed the clubs to have these like crazy rules and nobody ever said anything against them because where else are you gonna go? There wasn't any work. Mm. I wasn't aware of like specific touching, no touching laws and most clubs in London won't let you touch just because of how our prostitution laws are. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's fine. You acclimatize, you know, it takes three weeks to form a habit. And I guess it just became a habit. And I just figured it out really just along the way. I don't know how, like, the strength it takes for you to do the work. And then also knowing that this person smells or they're like dumping all of their like emotional life things. <sighs> wow. Stripping is just sexy therapy. That's Ah. all it is. I'm just a therapist, a completely untrained and unqualified and totally unethical therapist in a bikini. That's it. That's all it is. (laughs) That's the service I provide. (laughs) Do you ever get like really wild stories? I mean, I've been part of some really wild stories, but people like, Mm -hmm. it's more that like people in that kind of liminal space where like, they know that nothing in the club has any sort of bearing on what happens to them in real life. Mm. It's this weird sort of reality purgatory. So because of that, there's this like, the nature of the job is basically like expedited intimacy. And that just makes people sometimes forget what the interaction really is. Mm. And they will tell you, the most fucked shit or just the most random things that they feel like they should, they can tell you and you're like okay i really did not ask but okay <laughs> i know this about you now oh 
like my favorite is just this isn't even a bad story this is just it's just funny to me that this mm-hmm. is like the first thing that popped up in his mind i was doing a private gig for a bunch of like very bougie architects and it was like a it was actually a baby shower for like a dad which i thought was really funny they just hired <laughs> strippers for a baby shower i tell the story all the time i think it's so funny they're all white dudes but they they were educated in hong kong so like clearly they're like the sons of expats who had banking jobs when hong kong was like a you know proper free market and it was like really booming so i start giving a lap dance to this guy after like we've been hanging out and just like they've been playing poker for a while and then he like <laughs> whispers in my ear he goes my first girlfriend was chinese and i was like uh, okay <laughs> okay oh <laughs> where is our drink where's where's that drink um wait thank you wow <sighs> The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What? Is that something that you deal with a lot, like being Asian and working in this industry? Like, um, yes, but that was like very specific. Like, that's the mm, only time okay. someone was like, just FYI, I take girls who are Asian. That's why I'm here with you. And I was like, I'm in the middle of doing my job, sir. <laughs> but for example, I was doing a private gig with a dancer that I work with quite a lot and she's like she's British but she's like full Trini right mm. so I, I'm in the middle of doing a gig with her and I'm talking to a client and I'm like do you want a lap dance and he just gives me a five minute ramble about how his wife or ex-wife was like Jamaican or just black and that like you know he just felt really really connected all this stuff this is a white dude by the way and he just then it just came full circle and it was just like i would like to have a lap dance by your other partner who is black and i was like by all means sir if you just want to throw money at her if she reminds you of your ex-wife whatever it is (laughs) that's fine it's a safe space please go ahead people just are like for whatever reason okay to tell you the craziest shit and you're like Oh my god, okay. I guess it's like fulfilling their fantasy in that moment, too. It's like, wow. In terms of like stripping and like being queer, like when you're working in these clubs, do you ever get like women or like non-binary people come in? Or do you just like, while it's part of this performance, do you kind of perform straightness? Does that make sense? I think it's more performing heteronormativity. I don't think Uh. I've ever really performed straightness because Mm -hmm. 
I actually am more likely to perform queerness because guys find it sexy to, you know, observe lesbians. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that like gets some of the like, one of the things you can get paid for to do is what's called a lesbian show. That's Mm -hmm. kind of more Montreal or in London, you just call it a double dance, right? And because I'm not allowed to touch the customer, I'm just touching the girls. Mm. And it's great. Like, as a raging gay, I mm. couldn't ask for anything more than to get paid to motorboat some fake titties. Like, I'm so into amazing. it. Amazing. Perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. It's perfect. I'm going to um, have to switch careers. Wow. <laughs> she's like, hmm, you make a good argument. <laughs> You're going to have to think about it. But my twofold answer to your argument is that more and more I'm seeing like queer grassroots dancer owned club nights where they put on stripper nights, but they market it specifically as like for queer and like by queer people because like sex work and queerness have always like held hands together. Like those two things go hand in hand both on both sides of the gender spectrum like uh, most of the male strippers or sex workers i know are some kind of, you know somewhere somewhere on the spectrum like they don't really they don't actually identify really as hetero even if that's the kind of porn they're making uh, or they're straight and yeah. they are really fucking fine with making gay porn like they don't give two fucks mm-hmm. i would say that's somewhere along the spectrum as well yeah in those spaces you get tons of like queer people come in i love giving lap dances to women especially straight women because they always come in with their boyfriends which means you can charge them double for a lap dance because they both want to be in there and their boyfriends are always like i don't you don't dance on me pay attention to my girlfriend so i can watch and then i'll lap dance on his girlfriend and then she'll say something like wow your skin's so soft and i'll be like thanks it's cocoa butter and coconut oil and I'll just be like, oh, what brand do you use? And I'll be like, girl, like, I'll give you the, I'll write it down for you later. And then I'm just in the middle of this lap dance having the sweetest sort of like, you, this is how you bond with women, right? Like yeah. this is, there's something systemic here going on. This is how you bond with women mm-hmm. while their guys are like licking their lips in the back, like. <laughs> I or if you're Marissa thing. watching. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna take shots at you all night. <laughs> Literally my life. Me just like I I You at the parties you run. Yeah. At my own parties. I'm just in the back like, oh my god. Wow. Yeah. Whenever I would go to strip clubs, I would always just be so overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> and just like awkward and I'm like why am I being like this like this is like this is fine everything is fine why am I so overwhelmed and then I I'd probably be the type to fall in love and like I'm getting a lap dance and then I'm just like okay so like we're dating now right like (laughs) I think that would (laughs) that's very my vibe Sorry. Oh, I see. What you're telling me is you're (laughs) easy prey. Yeah, 100%. You would tell me about your life and I'd be like, oh my gosh, let's build a life together. You know, I could see a whole world. I was thinking about this today because I was Uh in the middle of my readings, right? And Mm -hmm. like, there's one specific reading about kind of the like ethics slash non-ethics of Avon. 
operating in a place like South Africa, Mm -hmm. marketing their business model specifically to very poor black women on the like tail end of apartheid. Mm. And one of the things that was, I think, I just wrote a little note on there that I thought was interesting is that how they onboard people, so specifically women, to be part of Avon and then how they teach them to sell the product or continue the pyramid scheme is by kind of like creating this like implicit connection to money as like a proxy for social capital. So family love, like love for your children, being able to take care of your children or love for your husband because you're able to da 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 da. Like they really tap into their vulnerabilities culturally and like from a gendered perspective while completely ignoring kind of like the like racial history of South Africa (laughs) and thinking that, oh, you can just like bootstrap your way out of this. Capitalism will save you. And it's like, no, no, no. Let's think that again. And I think of strip clubs in this way and sex work in this way because money in that sense is very obviously a proxy for love Mm -hmm. and intimacy. And therefore, if money equals love and intimacy, then if you want love, you can get it by paying for it. And it should, that, like, do you see what I mean? Like, it kind mm-hmm. of reinforces this implicit, like, connection when it not, it's not necessarily like that. It's just that money as a concept doesn't actually exist. It's, it's just a thing. It's a concept. It's a number. What does it actually mean, right? But it's, what it is is a currency, and you can stand in money for lots of different bigger concepts that you can't necessarily quantify. And sexual attraction and desire and feeling special and feeling desired and feeling wanted by women is a form of currency and you can buy it. You're hitting all the points. So I'm like, wow, you, you really do do a lot of reading. You are, I need to read some more about you because I'm like, why does everything happen the way that it does? Oh, well, let's make a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know is TikTok. TikTok making parties and trying to talk to women sometimes like trying trying. are you not succeeding (laughs) the thing is like I find when I am actually interested in someone I get so shy and I like kind of not that friend zone exists but I kind of put myself into the like being friend being just really great supportive friend and just making really like dumb jokes to make them laugh and then not actually letting them take me serious like for example that's like classic top behavior if you ask me. yeah okay because yeah. i'm just like <laughs> i was talking to my therapist about it recently i'm like i am out here i am on the apps i am talking to all the girlies in my dms and talking to them but i'm just making jokes and they don't think it's serious. <laughs> they don't think it's, first of all, they're like, first of all, binge, you're not funny. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, are you like, uh, yeah, I don't right? know. That's, it's, that's generally not like, no, that's generally not the like route I go. I'll tell you how I flirt with people. Yes. I'm very, very straightforward Please. and head on because my Venus is in Aries. Ah, I have much more luck picking up men. Okay. And then by extension, picking up mask tops. Mm. But I'm very straightforward. I'm literally like, I think you're gorgeous. And I have stared at you like in silence for the past 
either two hours or two weeks or two months, whatever, just insert time frame. And I would love to take you out on a date. When are you free? I just say that to people. Works for me already. I'd be like, wow, you see, she's direct- like, please, I wish someone would say those things to me. <laughs> direct approach, especially like from someone who's more femme presenting. I'd be like, okay, we're we're married. Like, when are we having the wedding? Because there's also so much pressure in mm-hmm. being more like masculine presenting or like perceived as masculine or like perceived as a top. And yeah, it's always like, oh my gosh, I have to make the move. What if it doesn't work out? And I'm also like, what I if find they tell all their so... friends? <laughs> what if they tell all their friends? <laughs> what does that matter? I just find it funny how like heteronormativity repeats itself within mm-hmm. specifically lesbians, which I think is really funny. I don't yeah. know so much about gay men. Gay men seem to like, they have the grinder. They oh seem God. to be doing just fine. <laughs> You know, in terms of like getting casual sex. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this is something that lesbians still struggle with. But I, I think of it from like my point of view where I don't feel the pressure to perform masculinity. Mm-hmm. But I think about kind of the double standards here and how masculinity is still like the thing you should aspire to. I remember I was at a picnic with my gym husband who's gay. He's a white muscle gay. I know, I'm sorry. My my gym husband is that. And his (laughs) other white muscle gay friend. And some kid kicked over like a soccer ball and all of them like kind of tensed up and like didn't know what to do. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you fairies? And I just kicked the ball back. And I was like, you all go to the gym. What's wrong with you? And they're like, yeah, but we don't play team sports because we were closeted as kids. And I was like, damn, that makes so much sense. As a lesbian, all I did was play team sports. Hello, softball, anyone? The soccer team? Uh, Hockey? (laughs) And it's a thing. It's totally a thing. But like that also doesn't take into account that a lot of the masked tops I know, and I'm thinking specifically my girlfriend who's like in bed in my flat right now. I aesthetically love the mask presenting. Like I love it when her hair is like freshly cut and is very like militant. I love it when she puts on like a wife beater and like sweatpants and she wears like a Cuban chain. I think it's so sexy. But underneath all that is somebody who is still kind of shy and she's really cute and she just Aww. does like things like bitches do. You're like, oh my god, you're a bitty. Like, you're so cute. And I just think to myself, I'm like, if you were actually a man and you did all these man things, I just don't think I'd like you so much. But because she's so cute, I really like her. I feel like other femmes would probably feel the same. So I think you should feel free to like continue being, you know, just you. Being kind of cute and shy and being like, hi, I like you, you're so pretty. Okay, because I'm like, that's what I'm giving. I just gotta be real and um, not try to play into these like, I'm gonna be tough, I'm gonna deepen my voice. Um, no. But for like, your drag, yes. But for like, drag, for sure. But in dating, I'm just not having the best luck. But I'm trying, and I'm trying new techniques. New t- techniques meaning like being myself, and not like playing into any kind of roles. You know. I always found that like dating always worked best when I wasn't focused on it. Like mm. when I wasn't attempting anything with it, people always came mm-hmm. to me. I'm also saying this as like a like attractive person under regular beauty standards who doesn't really deal with things like 
fat phobia or colorism to mm-hmm. a large degree. So like that's also at play here. Mm-hmm. But in general, I had a lot more luck when I hasn't wasn't wasn't really thinking about it, wasn't looking for it, and then I was like, oh my god, why have we U-hauled all of a sudden? What's wrong <laughs> with us? So dating in general for you, like, has it been difficult? Like, especially being someone who strips, like. Did that ever play a weird role in your dating life? I think no, not in the sense where like my partners weren't okay with it. Like mm. the guys I've ever I've seen have always been like fine with it. In fact, they are like, "Bitch, if I looked like you, I would do it too. If I was a woman, the first thing I would do is do that mm-hmm. and also touch my boobs nonstop." And I was like, you know, if you have the erotic capital in order to do so, you will do it. Mm. But um. It made it harder for me at a point in time when I hadn't like really come to terms with the fact that like maybe I don't like men that much mm-hmm. because I was still trying to date men but at the same time they were my clientele and I had to deal with their asses all fucking day all fucking night and I hated them. Mm-hmm. I hated men for like a really long time. I'm not saying you know I hated men then. I still hate men. <laughs> but that's not changed. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> One thing straight, I still do, but um, I don't try to date them anymore, so I feel less like personally attached to what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. In terms of dating women, I don't think it's ever been a problem. If anything, I've met a lot of queer women stripping, and like, I make a point not to date people that I work with or mm. who are in the same industry as me. I just like think you shouldn't, you know, shit where you eat. Have you ever done that? No, no, I'm quite good about setting boundaries. I think about it now and like, I think weirdly the older I get, the less fucks I have to give. So (laughs) at my age now, I would care less and I'd be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll bring you home. But like at 19, I felt very precarious for whatever reason. And I just like decided like one of the like things I would do to like maintain a healthy boundary between who I am in the real world and who I am at the club was to not sleep with anyone, dancer or clientele, ever. And I kind of just stuck to that and it worked out for me. And like Mm -hmm. as a result, my relationship with the dancers are really good because like I don't involve myself in their personal lives. Yeah, I think that is a good call. Has your time in being a stripper from the age of 19, has it taught you things about yourself? I, yes. Stripping taught me more about life than like anything ever has and I I hesitate to say that like specifically right now because I'm doing a master's at a school that I'm obsessed with. I think they're incredible and I'm getting so much out of it but like my my bachelor's degree and my stripping experience were happening at the same time and I learned way more stripping than I ever could dancing although or sorry um, doing art school although those two things like as I was stripping and thinking about like theorizing the female nude and female bodies and how that's like an act of regulation and thinking about like critical race theory, gender, queerness, sexuality, all of that theory was also happening during art school. So I mean, it was kind of like intertwined together. But when you talk about things like knowing thyself and formulating a kind of version of yourself in a very like I think Foucault way where he talks about how people they create a new identity like a work identity almost right in his theory of the self that's like so clear in stripping when like girls have their own personas 
they have like stage names and that is all part of active regulating the self and i think the people who are really good at that job or this this particular job always insert a little kernel of truth into every lie mm-hmm. right about themselves and so they in that in that sense they are giving away sort of parts of their true beings to every interaction i think the best thing i learned from stripping was not necessarily all the stuff around how to scam people or like how to tap into people's vulnerabilities and their want to be neat and desired <laughs> and all this stuff but stripping taught me how fun like generally how to make people feel good about who they are how to make people feel listened to and interested it taught me how to very quickly in the middle of a conversation pick up on what people are interested in and what makes them tick and what they really want to talk about right because it's not mm. about me any interaction where i'm being paid to like for my company my time it's not about me and my interests i'm there trying to pick apart okay what do you want to talk about and then the skill that i have is to tap into like a vast amount of very approximate knowledge of things to then try to riff on that with them mm. and then that builds that sort of sense of intimacy where they're like i feel so hurt it's so weird to be able to have this conversation do you want to go for a lap dance and that's how that kind of that skill i realize now outside the club is incredibly important for like i hate the word networking but like let's just call it making friends with people <laughs> well it's been so nice talking to you and i know yeah. you have plans after all of this are you back to work my plan after this is to ask you for all your money because we've been sat here talking for like an hour and that i charge for hourly oh am and i going since- Do I get a dance? Yeah, you can get whatever you want, baby. Are we dating? Are we dating now? <laughs> I happen to know that you're one of those butch lesbians who likes to be called daddy. I'll call you daddy for a fee. This <laughs> is like, oh my god, no, please. I was stressed. Take all my money. Here's my credit card. <laughs> Swipes. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on that date, Vic. What do you think? Do you think she'll want to run another? <laughs> I guess we'll see. You can find Samantha on Instagram at s a m a t h a dot s s u n. Now, who will I go on a date with next? Stay tuned, babes.